Hi, I'm Emily Salaby, founder of Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company, and your host on the Hazard Girls podcast here on Jacket Media. I'm so honored to host this show where I get to chat with Hazard Girls about their careers. Hazard Girls is an online community for women working in traditionally male-dominated fields. On our show, you'll get to hear from these amazing women about the path that led them to their current careers, challenges they've overcome, advice for other women in entering these industries, and more. Inessa M. Vitko is the Chief Operations Officer at CTRAN in Vancouver, Washington, the American Public Transportation Association's North American Midsize Transit Agency of the Year for 2019. With about 350 employees, she oversees the activities and well-being of the agency's largest division, which includes all of fixed route and paratransit operations, customer service, ADA compliance, information technology, training, and security. For the better part of 2020, she has been mostly consumed with navigating her team through the pandemic. She is also readying them for C-Trans' second BRT, which is Bus Rapid Transit Line, major technology upgrades, and an internal restructuring. Over her 14 years in the industry, one of her proudest accomplishments is the strong relationship she has built with the Amalgamated Transit Union Local 757, which allows them to make changes collaboratively, including protecting jobs through the current crisis. Before CTRAN, Ms. Vitko spent over a decade at TriMet in Portland, Oregon. She worked on several high-profile projects, including the startup of two light rail lines and the implementation of the regional electronic fare system, Hop FastPass. During her last two years at TriMet, she was charged with establishing and leading the agency's first ever customer experience department. Ms. Vitko holds a Master of Public Administration and a Bachelor of Science in Mathematics, both from Portland State University. In her personal life, she is committed to civic service in her hometown of Beaverton, Oregon, and loves to run, travel, and cheer on the Portland Trailblazers. <laughs> well, welcome, Anessa. It's great to have you here. Thank you for having me, Emily. I'm super excited. Well, it's really exciting to have a woman in the transportation industry on because I'm also in the transportation industry as the co-owner of a truck driving school, but your area of the transportation industry is totally different. So I'm really looking forward to learning a little bit more about it. Absolutely. Yeah. So tell us, what's a typical day like for you as COO? So I get this question a lot and it's interesting because I could tell you some days are really boring and some days are really exciting. Mm-hmm. And the analogy I use is it's just like transit. You know, we just keep moving and changing and nothing stops. So you never know what to expect. Obviously, like a lot of C-suite individuals, I spend time in a lot of meetings. Mm-hmm. I know that a lot of people don't like meetings. I find them to be really important, actually, because if you have the right players in the room, you're going to be able to make really good decisions and keep moving. And with, no pun intended, with transit, mm-hmm. uh, you have of situations that come up that you need to make sure you're delivering service correctly, that your employees are taken care of, you have labor laws that you follow. So there's always important things to work through and and talk about. Um, The Mm -hmm. flip side of that is, you know, you never know what's going to happen. You know, you might have someone get a missing person report might come through from the police and we put that out to our operators and they go on a hunt looking for that person. And so you want to be involved Mm -hmm. with that and coordinate with the city and the police. So it could be as boring as a meeting or as exciting as, you know, helping people. Yeah. 
So I saw you have your bachelor's in mathematics. So you've been in the STEM world and then you got your master's in public administration. So at what point did you figure out that you wanted to work in the transportation industry? Was that something that you figured out before you went into public administration or did it develop along the way? So I actually come from a trucking family. So I was excited when I was first learning more about you that I saw that. Mm -hmm. And my parents were long haul truck drivers. And I early on learned about the importance of mobility and how whether it's a freight truck or a train or it's individuals riding their bike to and from work or taking the bus, that the importance of mobility is crucial to any city's success and well-being. And so I always equate transit specifically to being the heart of a city. So if you think about the streets as veins, that's you see the buses running through, that's that's pumping through. And I tell you that bit because I'm going to go back a little bit. I finished my bachelor's of math with the intent to become a math teacher. I loved that. I went into my master's in math and I was teaching mm-hmm. at Portland State University and I loved it. And I was studying math and taking math classes and writing math tests and giving math lectures. And I really started to hate math. And I didn't mm-hmm. want to do that because I love it and I love how important it is in the world and wanted to make sure I didn't lose that passion for it. And so I just moved over into a different sort of public service arena, which is how I switched to a, an MPA program. I obviously still wanted to be working with the public sector and helping my community and communities at large. And when I was working on my master's degree, I realized that I probably should get a job in, in a public agency. And so I looked around mm-hmm. a lot of places and, and tried to find a job that had skills that I could be successful at that job. And TriMet had an opening for a program assistant, essentially. It was a part-time job. It was working on grant writing and their what they called the RideWise program, which was a travel training program to help individuals with disabilities and older adults learn how to use the fixed route system. Mm-hmm. And for those who don't know what that means, that's like the standard buses and trains and things like that. And my skill set with my MPA, I had a grant writing experience, public finance experience. I had all kinds of writing skills for the newsletter and that sort of thing. And then with the math background, I was able to apply that for cost avoidance reporting and things like that and work on mm-hmm. those combined. The upside was, like I mentioned, it was part-time. So I could still finish my master's degree while working 25 hours a week and, and working in the public sector. And the second I started to realize the value from a different point of view of mobility, that individual one-on-one as, a, as opposed to what I was used to growing up with my parents and them moving vegetables and produce and all kinds of cool stuff, it was really mm-hmm. helping that, that individual get where they needed to go, whether that was to school or to work or a doctor's appointment or for grandma to visit their you know grandkid or everything in between, I realized that I was onto something that I really loved. That's so interesting. Now, I'm just curious, when you were growing up, were your parents away a lot traveling? So when I was younger, my father drove solo. And when I went off to college, my mother got her CDL and they drove together. So my dad would drive the nights and my mom would drive the days. And so I was barely out of the house before they were on the road together. Oh, that's exciting for them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, they loved it. Mm -hmm. Well, you've mentioned authenticity as part of career pursuit. Can you tell us what you mean by that? So this is something that I've brought up 
over the years, I've been lucky enough to work with small groups of mentees or to present to large groups at conferences. And as I've been asked, being a woman in leadership, what do I need to do? How do I need to act? Or yeah, I always fall back on this. The thing you have to do is be yourself. You have to bring your whole self and your true self to the table when you're you're looking at that. And you have to do it early on. When I applied for my first manager job, I had more than one person tell me, you know, you need to take your nose ring out. You need to cover up your tattoos. Mm-hmm. And and this is obviously not a very very shallow sort of analogy, but I said, why would I want to do that? I don't want to go to work every day and not be myself, not be this person who does have a nose ring and does have tattoos. And I don't want to work for someone or somewhere that doesn't going to just take me as I am. Mm-hmm. I have way more skills and things to offer than what I look like. And, and that's at a very a basic level. But when you start to get further in your career and you're going through that, every person has something unique to offer, whether that's their expertise or their skill set their everyday point of view, their street smarts. And this holds true for women, people who identify non-binary, people of color, people from different educations or socioeconomic backgrounds. Every single one of those people have something unique and authentic to bring. And if they're not being themselves, we miss out on those. We miss out on those truths and we miss out on what that person can offer in whatever decision we have going on at that time. So as you move through your career, at each step, you want to make sure that you keep being who you are. Sometimes that's not always easy. In my career, I've been the only woman at the table more than once. Mm -hmm. I've been in the room where not only am I the only woman, I'm the youngest person in the room as well, Mm -hmm. and I'm supposed to be in charge. But the best thing I could do is say say what it is. Well, guys, look at me. I'm 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 25 and I'm in charge of all of you and mm-hmm. and make a make a joke of it and have fun with it and not everyone appreciates that, but when you break the uncomfortableness and you're honest about what's going on for you in that moment, mm-hmm. people relate to you. People we all get nervous. We all we all are uncomfortable. We all have moments where we don't think we maybe belong at the table or we don't think we're smart enough or good enough or any of those things. But the reality is you made your you made a, your way to that table for a reason, yeah. the proverbial table <laughs> for a reason and and you just need to keep being yourself throughout that. One of the things that if someone were to look at my LinkedIn account or talk to people who work with me, they'll ask you what do you think of when you think of Vanessa and they're going to say pink. <laughs> I love the co- <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm very girly. I love I love the color pink. I got my first promotion at TriMet when I became a planner. I bought myself a brand new car. Not a very expensive one, but brand new. And my husband got me license plates that said L-U-V-P-N-K. I drove those around 10 years, right? And this is how much I love it. I have pink pens at work. My folders are pink. I have little pink tchotchkes everywhere. I I love it. And if you if you get stuck listening to me, new hires, like they come in and I, I talk to them. I have a spiel and I will tell them, Man, I spread the love of transit like glitter, and that <laughs> stuff goes everywhere. I love rainbows, and people sometimes maybe don't take me seriously because you walk in my office and there is just pink stuff everywhere. Well, that and blazer stuff, mm-hmm. but I, I, I love it, and it's who I am. And once they realize that I can be that person, I can be that well now forty-something-year-old woman whose office is full of pink stuff, and yet also can be in charge of huge, major decisions that affect you know, thousands of people every single day, 
I'm a little more human to my team and my colleagues mm-hmm. and my employees. I'm a little more relatable. And so it's everything from the most serious parts of yourself and your deep being of who you are and how you relate to the things in your job to, you know, just the most basic showing tattoos and having a nose ring yeah. and having pink tchotchkes everywhere. You you have to be authentic because people will also see through you and you, yeah. you never want someone to think you're being fake. Well, I think that's amazing advice. And I guess nose rings and tattoos is one thing, but then pink is even another because it's really related to, you know, the idea of being a woman and being feminine and, and being a girly girl. So, (laughs) so it's even, you know, taking it a step further. So how has being a woman in your industry influenced you or affected you? And, you know, have you faced challenges based on your gender? And if so, how have you dealt with them? And can you give us any insight on that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, unfortunately, I could give you a running list mm-hmm. of all of the various incidents and challenges and events that have happened directly, uh, I think, directly because I'm female. Mm-hmm. I will start with the upside. I was very, very lucky when I became a planner at TriMet. I had a manager there. I'm not going to say her name because she already gets super embarrassed when I talk about how amazing she is all the time. She's now retired, but (laughs) a wonderful, wonderful, strong, brilliant woman who was my manager. And she helped me navigate the industry. I was really lucky to have mentors. She helped me navigate the industry as a woman. And and I'll give you some examples just from that, from that start. I mentioned earlier meetings Mm -hmm. that I went into and be maybe the only woman in the room. Sometimes there might be two of us. And the assumption was that I was going to take notes when really I was in charge of the meeting. Now, I want to be really clear to anyone listening, taking notes is an incredibly important job of any meeting. It's one of the most important jobs, in fact. But when I'm trying to lead the meeting and herd the cats and do all those things, it's not the thing for me to do. And when it's you know a 55-year-old man pushing the notepad towards me, it's mm-hmm. offensive. Mm-hmm. And the first time that happened, I talked to my manager about it and she said, no, 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 no. We have people who are hired to do that very important job, but you are you have a different important job. We're not going to tolerate this. You need to speak up for yourself. Yeah. And it was very hard. I I was younger and I am a yes person. I never want to say no. I want to figure out how and yes and how can I help and do all of that. And maybe it's a little bit of a stereotypical female trait, but I was raised that way as well. Mm-hmm. So that was difficult for me to say, you know what? No, if you guys want a note taker, you're going to need to bring in one of our administrative assistants. This isn't that's not what I'm here for today. Mm-hmm. That same group I spent years working with. And obviously, as I was able to demonstrate who I was, um, I had less of those sorts of incidents. But there were other times where I had people call me love or mm-hmm. sweetie or honey. You know, I'd ask a question. They wouldn't direct the answer to me. They direct it to my male counterpart which makes you feel really invisible in that moment. And yeah. and I don't know about everybody, but I know I've had my own self-esteem and confidence issues over the years. And when you're starting out in a career and you're trying to establish who you are, it can be really uncomfortable to feel overlooked. Mm-hmm. As I've moved around in my career, moved up in my career, again, the, a little bit of that being your authentic self. I, I own the fact that I'm girly. I am the woman on the maintenance shop floor who's wearing high heels and a dress. I am that person mm-hmm. and I love it. Um, but make sure they're closed-toed because I got to be closed-toed, right? So, yes. but it's, but I'm, I'm there and being myself to that authentic piece. But I've also run into really horrific situations. I've had people make um, pretty 
uncomfortable sexual remarks to me, people who I looked up to, people who were, I considered mentors. It's so disappointing, you know. It is. So I've had male mentors that I've looked up to who have, you know, made sexual comments to me. I've been at events and I have been introduced as the prettiest woman in transit, the best dressed woman in transit. When a, not, this is Anessa who works at CTRAN. This is Anessa who it's, or she's the COO or she's the manager of this or the director of that. It's been based on my gender, my clothes, my whatever, <laughs> um, not on who I am. And I've had to learn how to stand up for myself. I'll give you a pretty simple example for people who are up and coming as well. And it's probably happened to them. I had an employee, they hadn't seen me in a while. And I walked out into the break room area and they said, oh, what's up, girl? And and I don't like being called a girl. It's a huge pet peeve of mine. I'm I'm not a girl. I'm a woman. I've worked hard to become the woman, strong woman that I am. And I said, I said, I'm, I'm not a girl. They're like, oh, what's up, lady? And I said, how about Anessa? Yeah. Uh, what, what's up, Anessa? And I said, you know what? How about you just say what? How, how about you just say Chief Fitco and let's stick to that. And this is a man about my age yeah. that works for me, directly reports to me, and it's those small moments where we are willing and able to take a deep breath. And even though it's a little bit scary, because even in that moment, there was still a little bit of me that those nerves were coming up, you know, the red nerves in the back of the neck. And there's a little bit of shake in my voice and a little bit of shake in my hands. But he said this statement in front of a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And I knew if I didn't say something, then everyone who was around and heard it was going to think it was also okay to say and do that. Right. And starting with some of those small things that are actually huge things and can be super, you know, takes a lot of courage to do the small thing, that will keep setting you up because every time something bigger happens, you'll be braver, you'll be more prepared, you'll feel stronger or more confident in saying something. I mentioned the sexual comment earlier and it, it really is um, one of the worst things that's ever happened to me. And in that moment, I didn't say anything. I walked away. Mm. I told someone about it. We never reported it or anything formal like that. And to this day, I am mad at myself for that because I didn't potentially help the next person who came in contact with that person. And who knows how many times this person has made similar comments to other people. And in my head, I've let, you know, I've let other women down by by allowing that to happen. So I think it's just being being aware of your surroundings and being brave enough to speak up. Um and even when it's, well, when yourself is hard enough and then getting to a position where you feel comfortable, then speaking up for other people in the room. Yeah. Well, speaking of women in the industry, what would you say is the state of the transportation industry as far as women's leadership and participation? We've recently seen Katie Farmer named chief executive of BNSF, which is Burlington Northern Santa Fe Railroad, yeah. which is really cool. I just saw that. Um, so cool. Yes. And um, Durango Railroad just named its first female conductor as well. So, and we have you as COO of CTRAN. So are things taking a turn? So that's interesting that you you bring this up. I was on the call Tuesday, I think it was, with some other women who are in the industry, private sector, public sector, CEOs vice president, president mm -hmm. level of, of their positions. We are doing a presentation for emerging leaders is what we, we call them. 
later this month where we have a panel where we talk about what it is to be women in leadership. Mm-hmm. One of the comments that was brought up was people are commonly hearing, wow, women are really taking over leadership in public transit. Well, I don't know that that's accurate <laughs> at all. It's that we're finally, there's more than one or two of us. <laughs> um, the, there's some interesting statistics. It's funny because you mentioned BNSF and I just had read that the other day. But there's the San Diego Metro, which is MTS. They they have their first female CEO. San Diego, it's a huge city. Yeah. It's 2020. Their first female CEO. Amazing. RTD in Denver, uh, another place. Greater Richmond, Virginia, another place. 2019, they had their first female you know, GM. They have different titles depending on the agency. Mm-hmm. But there's places that have had a little bit more of a history, right? Where they maybe have had one or two leaders. And then there's places, female leaders, women who are at the highest high. And then you have a whole bunch that haven't even had someone in the C-suite at all, let alone at the very, you know, sort of top of the food chain, if you will. Mm -hmm. And I would say that you are seeing more women in these roles we're not taking over the industry by any stretch. There's not nearly enough uh, women in these positions. I, and I would go on to say uh, there's not enough also people of color or women of color in particularly who are in some of these high-level roles. It's really a voice that's missing at that level. We're really lucky to have a few strong women of color who are in some of these higher-level roles, including right now our chair of APTA. Uh, she's from Valley Transit Authority in uh, Santa Clara. And those voices are finally being heard and being seen. Is there an improvement from years over? Yes. I don't think that we've made enough headway. Middle management is really missing a lot of female leaders in it. Mm. So you have a little bit of a gap. Uh, people have spent a lot of effort on you know diversity and inclusion and equity and really recruiting more women into the industry over the last few years. Unfortunately, with that said, the current crisis has, we've had a layoff. You know, we lucky at CTRAM, we personally have not had to lay anyone off, but a lot of places have had to lay people off. So the efforts that they've put into recruitment, some of them have lost that diversity because there are new employees and those are usually the first to let go. What I have seen is more people, the larger scale, more people encouraging, inviting the conversation about women in leadership and transportation. I mean, we do, we do branch out. We, you know, we consider a lot of the construction companies, you know, part of our WSP and a lot of these companies that do our work, that build our light rail lines and things like that. We consider them all part of the transit industry as well, but they're inviting the conversation and encouraging participation. We still have a long way to go. And and unfortunately, I think the current crisis has also messed up our, our pipeline for those Yeah, that's a shame. Well, you mentioned the pandemic and the effect it's had on keeping people in the industry, keeping women in the industry and the diversity that the industry was starting to get is starting to wane a little bit just because some of the newer players have been let go due to the pandemic. You know, how is leadership different during a crisis like this? And how has it been for you to lead through this pandemic in the transit industry? That's a great question. That's like what the classic interview question is, right? Wow, that's a really good question. Let me think about that for a minute. Um, <laughs> that's that's the oh man. So, so I will tell you, 
the risk of congratulating ourselves a little too much. I have a really great mm-hmm. CEO who has a really long history in transportation and has, you know, managed through recessions and crisis in different agencies throughout the country. And so early on, there was this quick response from him and and then it was a delegation to each of our teams myself being over operations and all the various departments that come with that and you know what needs to happen in HR and what needs to happen in finance and and as a side note our executive team is almost all women so we do have a unique setup here as well so um we so we were able um to with that guidance we were able to jump into action to to do a lot of things um, one of the biggest things from the very get-go that we were worried about and what we were seeing early on for a lot of other transit agencies was that quick shift to having to cut service because no one was riding, which means you had to cut jobs. And from the get-go, our number one goal was to not lose any employees. We did not want to lose anybody throughout this. And and although it was the directive of our CEO, I think maybe a little stereotypically, but but women have a tendency to be more empathetic in a lot of things that they do, which put us in a position to really understand that and focus on how can we make sure that happens? Well, part of that was getting super creative and working together and a little bit of handholding and and compassion. And again, really lucky. My CEO is, is wonderful in all those things as well. And so he encourages his team which is primarily women, to really make sure we're doing what's best for everybody in the agency. What I find is that we're able to sit down and quickly dive into the problems and find solutions. I will tell you one of the things that we were able to do during this, and you mentioned in the intro, just sort of saving, keeping jobs, saving jobs while we were going through this pandemic, our team was able to work together to move some of our employees from one job and one union actually into a different job and a different union all in our same agency. We came up with an agreement between the unions and between the agency and the and the very the specific unions to to make that happen. And that kind of event is an example of just how great yeah. teamwork in general is. And I I'd love to take full credit for it, but <laughs> it was it was definitely a, a team effort. I know that there's been a lot of commentary. I mean, I've read about it and maybe you have too, and and maybe you just noted it and I missed it, but you know, there's a lot of um, comments about like other countries where they've been led by women, potentially they've had a better response to the crisis. And, and I think that at the, at the end of the day, women have a tendency to have a more holistic look and Mm -hmm. a more empathetic look. And it's a lot easier to lead with compassion than it is to lead with fear or control it can be easy in this situation to go into panic mode and throw your fist down on the table and start barking orders. And And if you sit down instead and listen to your team and, and the experts and come together, you're going to find, again, to my earlier statements about meetings and being authentic and all these other things, you're going to be able to find really good solutions by listening to everyone involved. And of course, I don't know the details and in and outs of all these other places and why they did or did not fare, but I do know that there's definitely among women in leadership a tendency to be more empathetic, more sympathetic, um, more compassionate. They have a tendency to listen to others and take their opinions into consideration. 
and I don't want to say more than men or more than others, but I guess I kind of am. So, <laughs> but, but there, there's, there's definitely some strengths in, in that. Yeah. yeah and some creative problem solving as you have done at your organization. So that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that with us. So would you like listeners to get in touch with you and go to your website or learn more about CTRAN? Well, I'd always love people to learn more about CTRAN. We are the number one mid-sized transit agency in North America for 2019. But I also would love people to fall in love with public transportation. Like I have fallen in love with it, but I, I know that's a lot to ask. But as far as people reaching out to me, I love to help people. I love mentoring and informing and working with other young women um, and, and not just young women, anyone who's up and coming in the industry who who wants to learn more and do more and be better. But you know, I have some mentoring programs that I, I work with already. My whole life, my parents taught me this way. My, my mentor that I mentioned earlier taught me this way is you can climb the ladder, but there's no value in climbing that ladder all the way to the top if you don't turn around and, and look back behind you and reach out and help the next person. And um, I'm not going to be here forever. And I know that I think that's like almost an exact quote of a Tim McGraw song, but the mm-hmm. – <laughs> um, but it, it's true. It's a true statement. And so I'd love for people to reach out to me. Probably the easiest way and the best way is probably through LinkedIn. Oh, that's so generous of you. Well, it's been really lovely to have you on and to learn a little bit more about your end of the transportation industry. We love having you in the group and we're thrilled to be able to learn more about your unique experiences as a woman in the C-suite of a major transit company. Yeah. Thank you so so much. much. I am honored to be part. Like I said, I listen to the podcast and I, I hear all these incredible women speak. And so to even be uh, considered and part of that group, it's, it's an honor. Thank you so much, Anessa. Thank you. You have been listening to the Hazard Girls podcast on Jacket Media, sponsored by Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company. That's junojonesshoes.com. And you can go there to learn about our steel toe boots and to join the Hazard Girls community. I'm your host, Emily Salaby. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.